The Best of Times, live from 710 Keel Studios in Shreveport, Louisiana, celebrating age and maturity, helping you make the best years of your life the best they can be. The Best of Times, your host, Gary Caligas. Good morning, radio listeners. I'm Gary Caligas, the publisher of The Best of Times magazine, as well as radio show. And we're the only magazine and radio show for mature adults in Northwest Louisiana. Do thank you for tuning in to our show today and also thanking those who might be listening via the Internet at www.710keel.com. Also thanking those who might be listening via the Keel application on their Apple, or Android devices. We do thank AARP Louisiana neighbors, Tunning Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer for being the exclusive sponsors of this radio show to provide you with beneficial information each and every Saturday morning. In just a few minutes, we're going to find about the findings of a unique research study regarding grandparents raising grandchildren. So stay to the show for some very interesting information. It is Saturday, October the 7th, and we are broadcasting our show from the studios of News Radio 710 Keel, a town square media radio station here in wonderful Shreveport, Louisiana. However, today's show has been pre-recorded, so we will be unable to accept calling questions and comments from our loyal radio listeners. Be sure to pick up the September-October issue of the Best of Times at a few of our 270 distribution locations. Remember, this was a joint uh, issue from now on the best of times is now bi-monthly instead of monthly so there are still a few issues available at some of our 270 distribution locations but again you could always go to our website to view it or download it at www.thebestoftimesnews.com of course to view the current issue as well as the past issues for the past four years are on our website in addition you can listen to previously broadcast radio shows here on the best of times radio hour also you can view and download the 2023 Silver Pages Senior Resource Directory. Make plans to attend the largest Senior Boomer Expo in the state of Louisiana. Yes, it will be the 13th Annual Senior Day Expo at the Louisiana State Fair, which will take place on Thursday, October the 26th, from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. in the Hearst Coliseum in Shreveport. Of course, admission free, parking is free. There will be a lot of fun, entertainment, presentation, lots and lots of giveaways, hundreds of door prizes, many health care screens, vaccine, valuable information, from the over 120 exhibitors. You will also be able to register to win one of our four grand door prizes valued at over $1,000 each. But you must be present to win any of our door prizes, including our grand door prizes. Hope to see you at the Senior Day Expo on Thursday, October the 26th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. in the Hearst Coliseum. We'll be right back with more information, but now we're with our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana and Ebers, Tenant Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. 
Welcome back to our show, The Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana and Abers Town and Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today are some special guests. is Miss Meredith Hughes and Mr. Scott Beach with the University of Pittsburgh. And I've asked them to come on our show to discuss their research and findings relating to grandparents raising grandchildren. So thank you, Meredith, and thank you, Scott, for joining us today here on The Best of Times Radio Hour. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So tell us a little bit of overview about what what the University of Pittsburgh did regarding this particular uh, study and program. Yes. Well, uh, I am uh, co-directing. There's a, a, play, a, a place called the, the National Rehabilitation Research and Training Center on Family Support that comes out of the University of Pittsburgh, which I co-direct. And as part of that um, that project, uh, one of the things we're doing is um, looking at various um, data sets, uh, various sources of data on caregivers across the lifespan, you know, not just caregivers of older adults, but caregivers of you know, younger folks, uh, younger adults maybe with disabilities, uh, different types of caregiving arrangements. And of course, we're focusing on grandparents and grand- grandchildren today, but you know, spousal caregiving, caring for um, a mother or a father. So we're doing various um, what we're calling policy briefs or analyses of different caregiving situations uh, to better understand the, dem- the different demographics of caregiver populations. So this is one of a series of uh, what we're calling policy briefs that Meredith and I sort of jointly uh, worked on because this issue, you know, is, is – um, this issue of grandparents uh, raising grandkids uh, has really been, um, you know, in the news lately. There's a lot, I think, a lot of, um, uh, of things out there about it. People are, are learning about it, and it's kind of an emerging issue. So this is part of a series of, of uh, policy briefs and analyses that we've done on various caregiver populations. Well, I, I yeah. Thought, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, I think we just hope that sort of getting that demographic information out there can help um, inform the design of programs uh, for policymakers and other people working in this area. So uh, in your report, you said there are 70 million grandparents in the United States and about 6.5 million live with one or more of their grandchildren under the age of 18. Wow. That that seems like a lot. That's almost, almost 10% of the grandparents and what else you you also divided these into three subgroups. So tell the listeners what you meant by the the subgroups here. Yeah. So we looked um, at first of all grandparents just living with grandchildren but not providing care. So just sort of co-residing. So these are multi generational kind of households. Okay. Uh, the second one is grandparents providing care to their grandchildren with parents present in the household. That's not that sometimes happens. The grandparent may supplement some care the parents are giving or maybe, but the point is, these are grandparents um, providing care to a, to a grandchild under 18, but with the parent of the child present in the household. And the third group, then, is grandparents providing care to grandchildren without the parents present. So basically, they're kind of on their own in a way um, or have less support. So those are the three groups we really... We, we Do we know on. which one's more prevalent than others? The uh, grandchildren 
uh, grandparents living with grandchildren but not providing care is probably the most prevalent. Okay. Uh, yes, and I think the group living with a parent present was also slightly larger than the group living without a parent. Right, present. right. Mm-hmm. So in the order, right, right. So the grandparents without the parents present is the smallest group, but as we'll see, they have some unique challenges. And you also found out uh, through the study that the number of grandparents living with grandchildren decreased over the past decade, which it's surprising. I, I would think it would have increased. Yeah, it is a little, it's kind of flat if they think it's maybe decreased by less than a percent or something. It's basically remaining kind of steady, but what's really increasing is that there's an age effect. The grandparents over the age of 60 uh, living with grandchildren or caring for them is up. Those under 60, the younger grandparents, is kind of going down. And we think that might just be a function of general demographics, the aging of the population. Some of these younger grandparents, the people that were, you know, younger in 2009 are now have aged into the over 60. And some of these grandparents that are under 60 are probably still working full time or don't have that opportunity or time to take care of their grandkids, right? That's the other probably factor. Because I know some very young grandparents in my area that hardly ever, other than, you know, only see them on weekends or maybe some afternoon, but they never stay with them after school because they're they're working till five or uh, they have you know, full-time or part-time, but most of them have full-time professions. Right. So uh, the other, so you, you said that, uh, 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 the other particular comparing a grandparent caregiver with a parent, you found this group is worse off that on many indicators. Wow! When I read I, this, I, I said, "Wow, this is really interesting." Okay, w- with a grandparent present. Okay, it, it's actually what we found was that the grandparents uh, who are caring for a grandchild without a parent present, mm-hmm. so kind of okay. on their own, are yeah. kind of the worst. Yeah, they and they're have, most vulnerable, right? Yeah, they're most vulnerable. They have um, slightly higher rates of disability themselves, which is another issue we can talk about. A lot of these grandparents themselves, even though they're providing care themselves, probably have care needs uh, and disability. So these grandparents without a parent present um, are have slightly higher disability rates, and I'm comparing them to ones with a parent present. Um they are more likely to be living below the poverty line. I think that was one of the biggest uh, differences. They're less likely to be employed. They have lower levels of educational attainment. Uh, they're more likely to be longer-term caregiving. In other words, having been doing this for, for a year or more. So, yeah, that group without to the parents present is, is, is coming across as and we found them to be particularly vulnerable. Even though the overall numbers of those uh, in that situation, it's kind of going down. It's still a group that it requires some some special um, attention and perhaps programmatic efforts. So, uh, so, so what you're saying in that particular area, that vulnerability could lead to problems with the grandparent. Is that right? Sure. Yeah. I mean, a group with a higher rate of disability may need different kinds of support, long-term care support. Uh, you know. If you're more likely to be living below the poverty line, you're sort of more vulnerable to financial shocks if you have less savings. 
I think, you know, some of this is about sort of the composition of the household, right? Poverty is often calculated by that. So preparedness at present is sort of overall lowers the financial resources of the household. Which could also have, I mean, you mentioned, you know, right, these, are, these are things about the grandparent we're talking about, but this could also have spillover effects to the grandchild, right, if they're, if they're more vulnerable. So, and, and the yeah, other, this is a group. The other thing, okay. I, I think it's critical that our listeners understand that uh, sometimes when you're taking care of grandchildren, hopefully you know what to do regarding their care. If they if they hurt themselves, et cetera, some of them try to do the, you know, this is the way we did it uh, 25 years ago. It may not be the correct way to do it in this day and age. Not correct? And when they care, we're talking about caring. We're talking about providing emergency medical care rather than calling 911 if it's not that serious, urgent care, or, or, or picking them in the car if they have one and t- take them to an urgent care center, et cetera. Have you, have you seen any of that in your study? I don't know that we particularly looked at that in the, this study. I will say that there there certainly are some like legal and medical challenges associated with being a grandparent caregiver. Um, a lot of times when grandparents or other sort of close family take in a child because the parent can't care for them anymore, they sort of do it on an emergency basis right. and they don't through the formal foster system. So there are some sort of legal barriers that grandparent caregivers have to navigate with respect to sort of having that legal right to make decisions for the child. And that can extend to your ability to access medical records or make medical appointments, your ability to enroll the child in school. So there are, there's definitely a lot of uh, complexities uh, that, that can be present for grandparent caregivers. Yeah, I would add, just to broaden it out a little bit more generally, that caregivers in general, I feel, are asked to do a lot of things. If you think about any caregiving situation, you know, say um, someone taking care of an older adult or taking care of their spouse, uh, caregivers are just sort of sent off and assume that they know kind of how to do things. Like, like the, the big trend now is, you know, shorter hospitalizations and oh, sending yeah. people home quickly. And some caregivers get stuck with things like medical, medical caregiving, you know, managing medication, providing shots and injections and all kinds of managing diets. And, you know, I think one of the big pushes now in the policy area is to increase training for caregivers, you know, education and training. You know, and I think this is particularly um, relevant to grandparents. Uh, they probably are going in kind of uh, with some of the complexities, uh, not as well prepared as they could be, and that's where the policy changes, I think, need to, to occur. We need need more help and support. Oh, I know my listeners are probably agreeing to that. I, um, Meredith and, and uh, Scott, I used to be a home health care administrator for many, many years. So, I mean, that was a long time ago. But likewise, it's important to, to teach the family members how to take care of uh, their, the, the patient in the home when the home care uh, nurse is not there. So it's, you know, you got to you got to do some education. And and I've seen some grandkids being taken care of grandparents. They don't they didn't know what to do. So they're trying to call or either Googling it or trying to figure out how to take care of that wound that little child has. And they may right. be doing something incorrect that gets going to get worse and he's going to have to be hospitalized. So it's, you know, it's it, a lot of them are precarious about that. It's very, very, very sad. So, yes, education, educating the grandparent and educating the the parent to explain what's needed to be done. Just don't drop uh, Billy and or Sally over at grandma's house. We got to, you know, for one day or a week, we're going to go on vacation and you take care of him while we're going on vacation. <laughs> right. So the yeah. uh, so 
the other findings, uh, did you do any uh, state-specific findings? Were one state more more prevalent than others? Well, since, since we're in Pittsburgh, we, we actually did a – to show some geographic variation, we compared Pennsylvania to the, to the nation. Okay. And the bottom line, on most of the findings in the report, there were similar trends. Um, a few slight differences here and there, but probably – you know, less interesting like, than you say as the national statistics, I think. But the, we wanted to make the point that this kind of an analysis with this this survey, which is the American Community Survey, which is basically part of the census, um, could be done at within any state and any geography uh, you'd like. But basically the finding, here and there there were some differences, but nothing dramatic. Nothing dramatic. The general trends we're talking about apply to both the, whole, the country as a whole and the state of Pennsylvania. Well, I, I did notice that you did compare between black and white below the poverty level employed, more likely to be Asian and foreign-born, et cetera. So you did do some comparative in that, that type of demographics, right? Yes. Yes, we we basically created, uh, you know, profiles, demographic profiles of those three groups that we talked about uh, up, up front, uh, those living with but not providing care, Living with with a, or providing care with a parent present and providing care without a parent present. So we did some demographic um, comparisons there. Yes, um, you know the group, the group in terms of demographics. Um, I mean, the group that's living with but not responsible for the care of the grandchildren is kind of interesting. You know, that's the one that's kind of up in, in terms of particularly among older grandparents. They're basically just co-residing with. With grand with grandkids, and um, they tend to have a little bit higher levels of disability. Um, and what that suggests is they're basically living in that situation, perhaps to receive care, to receive support. Oh. Um, so we, we make that point. So there's could be some mutual, uh, mutually supportive relationships. You know, everybody providing care to each family member providing some care to the others. But, um, yes, we did do some demographic breakdowns, and that's in the report. Um, so what the, you're, you're saying there, Scott, is that the grandparents are living in a mixed family, mixed-generational family, the, the yes. grandparents, the son or daughter, as well as son-in-law, daughter, whatever, and then you have the grandkids all in, in one big house, in one household, whether it be apartment or house, et cetera, and, they're, they're, and as the... the the, the the grandparents' age, they're going to have some disability issue, being ambulatory, non-ambulatory, uh, being able mm-hmm. to walk, see, blind, et cetera. So even though they may be assigned to take care of the grandkids, they're, they're at a limitation. But some, some right. of those grandkids, if they're older, are going to be taking care of grandma as well, grandpa, right? Absolutely. And actually, like, youth caregivers is an issue that has been sort of raised nationally that we don't have a lot of information about. There's estimates that say there might be around, I think this was back in 2005, there's probably about 1.4 million youth caregivers that are providing care to older adults or to siblings with special needs, but we don't really have a good view of this population prevalence and needs. So, yeah, that's certainly one of the things that this kind of report uh, raises. Well, doesn't the census, I'm going on to tangents, sometimes Gary does that. Doesn't the census ask that question? I don't know if it's required to answer it. You know, is is uh, is a, an elderly person or 
living with you in your household when they do a census? Are you caring for that? I think I remember seeing that in there uh, when it was well, the last census was done. It's got a census expert, I would say, but I, I think that a lot of those surveys tend to target adults. Right, they target adults. This data that we're talking about today comes from a, there's a question about you know, the, the American Community Survey talks about various people in the house with a plate goes through some questions. And one of the questions is, does this person provide care for a grandchild? So that's kind of what we're basing our analysis on. Yeah. Uh, but there's no questions about, like, providing care for an older adult. It's kind of interesting mm. that the, the census is focusing in on this grandparent issue, but not. There are a lot of other national surveys that focus on more traditional caregiving, you know, um, sons and daughters taking care of their parents, and we've looked at a lot of those data sets. But the census really focuses on the grand, the grandparent and taking care of uh, grandchildren. Um, so we don't know much at all, as Meredith said, about younger caregivers under the age of 18 who are providing support to either a parent, a grandparent, but we know what happens. Hmm. Um, well, hold that thought. We'll be right back with more information. But now we're at Mars Sponsors and Advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana Neighbors, Tenant Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana and Abears Town and Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Kaligas. I do thank you for taking time to listen to our radio show today. Joining me on my show are some special guests. It's Miss Meredith Hughes and Scott Beach with the University of Pittsburgh, and they're discussing their research and findings relating to grandparents raising grandchildren. So thank you, Meredith, and thank you, Scott, for being part of this radio show today. It's been quite interesting so far. We're going to continue our discussions, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I hope you scary. hope you didn't say no to that. You're, I got you on well, the line. Of course we are. Yes, we're here. We're, we're ready to go. Uh, but when I got the, the the word about your your study, I thought it was fine interesting. But I'm I'm a grandparent. I'm I'm 73, and I've got uh, six grandchildren, ages from three to ten. All my kids got married late. You know, they decided they they wanted to find the right Mister Wright or Mrs. Wright, but uh, it's it took them a while. Uh, my wife and I wanted to have grandchildren when we were much younger, but uh, and that's the other thing. I, did, did, was there any study in there that when you have an older grandparent taking care of grand uh, grandchild, I could see. I know it's happened that the grandparent. Uh, had disability or issue or injury based upon the grandchildren wanting them to play and do certain things that, you know, they're in their 70s, 80s, or 90s that they couldn't really do. Did y'all find any of that particular data when you researched and asked, asked surveys? You know what I'm, you know what I'm, you know what I'm asking? <laughs> they, they got injured. Because they were negatively impacted by, by, you know, they loved their grandchild, but, you know, they wanted to um, uh, do uh, certain uh, item 
jump with me on the trampoline, Grandpa. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's certainly possible. The data doesn't, you know, address that direct question, but you know, we do present the data on uh, a little over a quarter, between 25 and 30 percent of these grandparents across these different uh, conditions. Uh, and look at the numbers now. Yeah, 27, 24, and 28 percent report disabilities themselves. That, we know that. We know the types of disabilities. And a lot of the, the most common disability is ambulatory, being able to get around. So right. I think you can you can imagine, you know, uh, you know, an older grandparent with their own ambulatory issues, you know, trying to chase to chase a grandchild around on a playground or something, which could lead to certainly could lead to further further problems. But good point, but the data doesn't directly address that, but that's certainly a certainly a possibility and that's why we looked at uh, you know disability because it, it's, it's just another sort of layer of vulnerability or potential vulnerability for both the grandparent and the grandchild the- yeah and there is literature that that shows that there there can be negative health impacts associated with caregiving in some cases you know uh, grandparents sometimes might have uh, difficulty getting to the doctor to maintain their own health. There have been studies that have shown that sometimes grandparent caregivers can have worse outcomes in terms of conditions like, you know, hypertension or insomnia or diabetes and, and those kind of things. So uh, I would say one of the purposes is to uh, of your study was to it, to provide recommendations both on a local, state, national level, but I, I noticed you had two advisory boards, right? One is RAISE. What's that acronym? And then you have Supporting Grandparents Raising Grandchildren, SGRG, right? Right. So those are actually um, those are national uh, boards. They were created by legislation, I think, in 2018, kind of the federal government recognizing that we really did have this sort of rising crisis of more grandparents that were caring for children, and they wanted to, you know, address that at the national level and come up with some strategies that might be able to um, help grandparent caregivers as well as family caregivers. So the SGRG was the Supporting Grandparents Raising Grandchildren Act and uh, RAISE is the Recognize, Assist, Include, Support, and Engage Family Caregivers. And these are all added. These are both, uh, Gary, these are both part of a national strategy to support family caregivers. So, I think this issue of caregiving, as the you know, as the baby boomers get older, <laughs> all the people that are kind of run, running the country or run the country for, for for many years, as they age, this this issue. I mean, it's always been an issue. I think it's care, care caregiving has always been a challenge, but it's becoming mm-hmm. more and more uh, as the, as the population ages and as things like birth rates decline. I mean, there's going to be fewer and fewer younger adults to help care for older adults. So it's just become a a pretty That's high true. issue, and as Meredith said in 2019, this was actually an act of Congress that set up these advisory councils, awesome. directed a the development of a national strategy to support family caregivers. So your findings of this report is going to help these these two advisory boards groups, right? So both of those boards kind of came together and they came out with this big sort of national strategy to support family caregivers in like fall 2022. And there's really a lot of information and suggestions in there of actions that can be taken at the state, federal, local level, uh, you know, across schools, across businesses to kind of support family caregivers in a variety of different ways. So yes, there's uh, lots of different, different opportunities out there. And, and we 
thought that sort of what we found in this report really kind of underscores the need for these different entities to really move forward with some of those strategies to, to help these groups that are vulnerable and, and need assistance. Before we talk on that, let me let me just mention one thing. Uh, again, Gary sometimes thinks in tangents. You know, luckily I don't have senior moments now at seventy three. I am getting I'm getting there, y'all. But uh, one but one thing I, I remember uh, in my travels, you know, my wife and I have been fortunate to travel all over the world, and and in two thousand nineteen we spent thirty days in China. And the Chinese people there and the, the officials that we talk with were telling us they made a bad decision. I uh, said, so what's that decision? I said, so we did the one-child deal many years ago. And now it's, it's, kill, it's, it's hurting us because we have no children to take care of the, the seniors like you and others that may be in our country. They're having a, a, a big problem with caregivers. You know about the one-child situation. That That is really negatively affected. They wanted to decrease their population, et cetera. Et cetera. I'm sure they had 40,000 of the reason, but it's come to find out that they don't have the people now, uh, the right. family members, to take care of the caregivers. There's a major shortage in that country. And I, I said, hmm, that's, that, I never thought of that one until you brought it, bring it up now. So, uh you know, I don't. You know, we never had that in the United States, but uh, there, there's still been a great need, and I'm, uh, I, I see of seniors and boomers out in the area, you know, wanting to take care of grandkids, but eventually they have to take care of their love, their spousal unit, and so forth. So you're seeing a, a caregiver, and I've been a big proponent about educating caregivers when I was a home health care minister, like. 30 years ago and uh, we you know we tried to educate as much as we can we told our nurses and staff to educate them about caring there for their loved ones so we didn't have so they avoided hospitalizations avoided emergency visits avoiding calling us back again to come back there so including wound care etc cetera, etc cetera. so let's go into some of the i thought it was fascinating some of the recommendations you noted in the the national strategy tell our listeners a little bit about that we got time for that i thought some of them were quite interesting sure well i will take in there are, there are hundreds of recommendations in this report um but but yeah just i guess to talk through a, a couple um so there's some related to employment support so uh, okay. one of the recommendations was to enhance the Family Medical Leave Act. Right now, the definition of sort of a qualifying relationship to leave work and provide care for a sick family member is limited somewhat to child. Well, that'll be remarkable. But right now, you can't apply for that, right? It's not you're not eligible. So for grandparents, yeah, and other other relatives and sort of other relationships, they would fall like outside of that qualification. So even though you might have a child or, or someone else that you're really in that relationship with and they rely on you and you might need some time off of work to um, to care for them, that, that wouldn't fall under the current definition. Of does the, the Family and Medical Leave Act, does that allow for grandparents to, to be caregivers? No. Wow. wow. Okay. I don't think a lot of our people know that. A lot of our citizens know it does not. I, um, yeah, so if, if you are a grandparent caregiver, the family... Medical Leave Act does not currently you know, allow you those benefits, uh, and there's a push to expand that to grandparent care. So these two organizations are going to try to push it in Congress? Are they, are that they... is something that require a, a legislative change, yes. So, not, yeah, not everything in the Act uh, requires a legislative change, but there certainly are, are some things that, yes, would require action at the federal level to be changed. Um, 
so yeah, that's and, and FMLA, of course, is um, sort of unpaid leave, right? But there are also sort of more. There's proposals and things at the state level that could enhance paid leave, which is also something you know, short-term paid leave that would be helpful to family caregivers or grandparents caring for children um, with their employment situations. Yeah, okay. Uh, what what other what other recommendations? So there's there's some sort of on that vein of sort of financial support and assistance. There's suggestions to change the um, availability of child tax credits. So there can be tax credits both at the federal level and at the state level. Um, right now, I think the child tax credit like non relatives are excluded. So if you were potentially like an aunt or uncle or someone else that was in sort of a, a similar relationship caring for a child that was not uh, your biological child, you might have some challenges claiming that kind of tax credit. Um, that there have been some recent changes in the child tax credit law. I think it's the amount of money available has expanded a little bit. And uh, so, so a grandparent is not eligible for a child tax credit right now. I think it would depend. clarification for, for Marianne. It would depend Who's on the, the policy. It would depend on the state. Some states probably have a little bit variable as well. But I thought one thing that you mentioned is educate grandparent caregivers about how to become foster parents and access those services. So, uh, so sometimes those those grandparents become the 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 parent or the primary person of that individual family member or that 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 child. that, That what you're telling me there. Yeah, so so currently a lot of these placements happen outside of the foster system, I think like 94% of them. So a lot of times the grandparent that takes on this responsibility isn't like the officially designated foster parent. And being a foster parent sort of comes with different, you know, legal requirements and rights. So if you're a licensed foster parent, you know, you can get financial assistance from your state. A lot of people might not be aware of that when they're thinking about whether they want to go through the process. But it also does come with, like, an administrative burden that can kind of put people off, or sometimes people are a little nervous about engaging with the system in that way. Because you have to go through, like, home inspections or background checks or mandatory visits from the child's birth parents. And, and sometimes, depending on your situation, you might be worried that that's not, like, the best thing for the child and not uh, formally engage in the foster system. I also noticed in, in your recommendation, which I've, I think it's apl- applicable in all states, is... Uh, the foster grandparent program for helping young children after school program. They they may not go to their well, they might go to their home, but a lot of them stay at school and and help them in their studies because their parents either don't care, don't want to don't want to help the child, but so they do it at school. Did your report show that of some of these grandparents? And there may not be the biological grandparents. They're like assigned to a child, and it becomes a uh, I know it's very successful in this report in Bossier City area, Louisiana. Uh, they have hundreds of volunteers, and we promote them on our radio show to people to volunteer if they had nothing else to do. And it, it's it was it's and it's really had a positive outcome on the, on many of those children out there that now get that extra help uh, after school to get some of their homework, get some of their studies, and and to, to accolades and yeah. Did your study show any of that? I think I think I saw the school districts do have that, right? So I, yeah, I would say that's something that that, that is discussed in like the SDRG report and some of those recommendations. Um, yeah, like ways that maybe schools can help 
children that are in these types of relationships with their grandparents, giving them extra assistance. I think sometimes in these situations, children have also been through sort of traumatic experience, and they might need additional mental or behavioral support. So that's something that we can think about, you know, where, like, schools, we could try to shore up some of that support. Um, I think when you're talking about after-school programs, like respite is a huge area for caregiving, both for caregiving for older adults as well as caregiving for children. And, and something interesting about, like, grandparent caregivers is, you know, these programs, respite can look different ways. You know, if you're caring for an older adult, respite might look like somebody coming to your home or, you know, temporarily placing the older adult in a nursing facility. But for, for children, respite could look like after-school programs and uh, camps or other kinds of assistance that um, that might support children and sort of give grandparents a break, whether it's for mental health, physical health, or, or for employment. Okay. Hold that thought. We'll be right back with more information. But now I work with our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana and Abers Town and Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AERP Louisiana Neighbors, Town and Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today are some special guests. is Miss Meredith Hughes and Mr. Scott Beach with the University of Pittsburgh, and we're discussing their research and findings relating to grandparents raising grandchildren. So thank you again for joining us on our show today. It's been quite educational, and hopefully we can make some changes in the world and in the United States. Is that what the major purpose of this particular study was to try to get some support to make some changes, positive changes. Sure. Yeah. We hope that this report helps sort of shine light on some existing issues and kind of help, you know, generate understanding that these are really things that we should move forward on. That would be helpful for, you know, grandparents. So, so hopefully those policymakers out there will be in both States as well as, uh, uh, in the in the states as well as national level, you know it's important. I think our our kids are important and our grandparents are important. But you know, helping grandparents raising those grandchildren correctly with a little support and guidance and education. I mean, I hate to say this, some some grandparents want the help. You know, you young people out there. As my son tells me, Dad, just Google it. You'll see a vid or, or go to YouTube. You'll learn all exactly what to do to take care of the two grandkids or his grandkids at our house. And I do that. So my my wife and I, we, we sit there and Google things and try to figure out uh, what they're asking us to do. So... Uh, <laughs> And does that help? Is it useful? <laughs> it is helpful. It is helpful, especially when you're. They want you to play a new game, or they have something in their uh, the educational sources that we have to become educated about. You know, it's not. It's the new math. You know, I'm 73. Back in my days, there was really very simple math. Now we're getting super complex math, and so you have to. When they bring their books home and we have to do homework with them, it's it's a uh, sometimes it's a challenge. I feel for other caregivers that only think about you know researching it, but uh, so I think you know that's I think on a, on a nationwide statewide program they they do need to give some support on that area. So what was some policy? I noticed in your report your recent policy developments in supporting family caregivers. 
Uh, I didn't know about this one. The executive order by the Biden administration. When was that done? Recently? Sure. Uh, I think that executive order came out in the spring of this year. Great. Essentially, President using his authority over agencies to, you know, have them engage in kind of exploratory efforts or consider different strategies that could um, support caregivers and improve access to uh, care, both for, I guess, sort of at the one end of the spectrum where you have child care and then at the other end of the spectrum where you have sort of long-term care needs for older adults. And I didn't know this. Medicare Act added billing codes uh, are, are planning to next year to allow billing for training for caregivers. Wow. Yeah, so that'll, that billing will be available in Medicare uh, at the beginning of next year, so calendar year 2024. I have um, not heard anything about that, and we try to put everything in our magazine, our radio show, or on our website. That must be uh, something that nobody wants to raise the flag about it, but I, I will. when I saw that in there, I put a big star. I'm going to contact my, my folks in uh in Baltimore, as well as uh, in the Dallas regional office. I used to work for the Medicare program, too, before I was a home health care administrator. All all my people are there. They're no longer there. (laughs) They're much older than I am. So, hey, what can I say? But that's going to be great. I mean, I I think that's definitely needed. And it's going to save the Medicare program probably a lot of money, too. Yeah, so, yeah, these codes are specifically for training of the caregiver. Previously, it had to be sort of more tied to the patient being president, present, but I think there's just this understanding now that, right, that really giving caregivers that training and education, like we talked about before, is really essential. So, you know, having that reflected in a new separate billing code is, is a good step forward. And the other <laughs> other aspect I saw in your, your notes to me, this the AAAs, the Area Agencies on Aging, which they're in most all the states have them that it's going to be giving more funding to them, right? Uh, yeah. So so through the, so the National Family Caregiver Support Program, uh, local area agents on aging get funds to support caregivers of older adults. And, and historically, some of that funding, about like a 10% amount, was uh, allocated to help grandparents that were caring for younger children. And in recent years, they've taken that cap off so that more funding could potentially be allocated to help grandparent caregivers. Wow. That is a positive note there, and ho- hopefully, the states and the AAAs know the AAAs know that. Um, let's hope they do. Uh, and, and is that true? <laughs> there's so many things out there. There's so much. There's so much information. Sometimes, uh, you know, when I was a policymaker back in uh, 1970, 77, that was. You know, a lot of information was not disseminated as much. I think we didn't even have the internet back then, so it was, it was, it was all by facts or by announcements. It was today in the age, the communication age is, you know, tremendous. And uh, so, wh- what else can we you tell our listeners about your findings and what you hope it's going to deal? You you had one factor which I thought was interesting, but you didn't elaborate it. COVID nineteen place grand families at risk. Wow. I didn't, yeah, I never thought of that one. Right. Sure. I mean, I, I think what we were thinking there is, you know, older adults and grandparents were particularly vulnerable during COVID-19, right? They were at sort of a higher risk of negative yeah, outcomes. True. So that creates some fear and, and some challenges. Um, I, I guess looking also, I you know we didn't have this in this particular report, but I think we've looked at this uh, in the Center for Family Supports at Pitt before, but um, there were some surveys of grand families and grandparent caregivers during COVID, and they found there were a lot of challenges in terms of uh, food access, 
in that population, as well as um, concerns about paying your mortgage or rent. I think it was like at least one in three people, grandparent caregivers reported they were afraid of leaving their home to go get food. They had they arrived at food pickup sites and those sites had run out of food, um, and they were concerned because a lot of them said they didn't really have a caregiving plan for the child they were caring for if, if they had a complication from COVID and, and became ill. Well, that you know that was, and that was really critical. And I'm sure a lot of the grandparents told their 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 spouse, their spouse, their kids, and oh, I can't take care of your kids because of the highly probability of uh, of me possibly getting COVID again. Even though I may have all my shots, you still you know your your vaccines, I may still get it. So I, I bet you the the aspect of caregiving during COVID time, COVID nineteen two thousand and two thousand twenty and 21 were probably a little bit difficult, right? Did your study show that? Yes. Yes. I mean, we've done some other uh, broader work um, showing the challenges of being a family caregiver during COVID-19. The caregiver caregiving demands generally increased. Uh, people were sort of stuck at home. You can imagine a situation where uh, not just grandparents with grandkids, but all types of caregiving situations where with the inability to go, kind of go out and socialize, it, it sort of puts everybody sort of in the house together without, without a chance for respite. And so the more demands with doctors, doctor's appointments being missed or having oh, yeah. to do things health. And there's all kinds of issues that were raised by, by COVID. And we've done some other research uh, in that area and have some, some work out on that. But um, and telemedicine was introduced and quite interestingly increased exponentially. And I, I do know of grandparents who were taking care of grandchildren use the telemedicine to talk to the pediatric physician and the other individuals rather than bring them into the clinic. And, uh, I mean, luckily uh, some of us knew how to do that. And it definitely, right. it definitely saved the issues regarding it. And I think it's going to be increasing. I, I know of grandparents right now that I was telling that they either go to Amazon or, I mean, Google or, or they – but a lot of them, you, you too, but a lot of them do telemedicine by kind. The, the parent says, this is my doctor for my kids, you know, call their office or you can telemedicine, dial into them and uh, the, the nurse, yeah. the doctor will deal. And that, that's really yeah. remarkable. And I think it's saved a lot of issues with the kids that they're taking care of, much less stress on us that we have to take care of those grandkids at, at home. And right. Right. And I think that's one of the, positive things we're seeing just in general older adults you know are, are becoming more and more um expert or familiar with technology and able to use it which i think is going to help in a lot of ways um not just telemedicine but you know, accessing services knowing how to use the internet and so forth so that's a general sort of positive trend in aging so you know older adults more 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 uh, adept at using technology. Um, that is true. And it's going to continue, but it keeps getting more complex. I just wish they would, you know, quit changing it. I mean, every app, probably, I think they have people up there every day. They work on changing apps, and they tell me, you must download this app because it, the old one will not work next week. So, I mean, that's all I do is yeah. update apps. So sometimes it does it automatically. Most of the time it doesn't. So you, I get frustrated. So I call my techie son. He said, Dad, just do it. It's not going to cost you. Just push the button, tell it to update, and you don't have to do anything. And I said, okay, make it simple. Make it simple for us old people here, elderly people. Well, thank you for joining us on our show. It's quite fascinating. I 
I congratulate you and the University of Pittsburgh and all your staff working on this. I think it's it needed to be done. Hopefully, it's going to get more national and, and regional recognition and hopefully make some changes at the state, uh, the national level, and uh, hopefully make a positive impact for grandparents raising grandchildren in the area. So congratulations on this study and uh, looking forward to having other other talks I'm sure with uh, those policymakers throughout the area. Thanks, Gary. Thank you, Gary. Thanks for having us. Okay. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, everyone, for listening to our show. Hope you'll join us next Saturday for another show that could benefit you or your loved ones. Don't forget to pick up your personal copy of our magazine at our 270 distribution locations. May God bless you and your family. God bless America. Have a great day and a great weekend. Thank you again for listening to our show. Also, remember, make plans to attend the largest Senior Boomer Expo in the state of Louisiana on Thursday, October the 26th, from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. in the Hearst Coliseum at the Louisiana State Fairgrounds in Shreveport, Louisiana. I'm Gary Caligas, wishing you and yours the best of times both today and every day. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 9 a.m. for more Best of Times. This is 1017 FM and 710 Keel.